The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, the final podcast of the 2023-2022 NFL season. The Super Bowl is in the books. 38-35, the Chiefs win on a last-second field goal. If you're a Chiefs fan, you are dancing wherever they dance in Kansas City, the barbecue joints. If you're an Eagles fan, you are crying like Nick Sirianni during the national anthem because you're yelling about cheating. We'll get to that in a second. I'm hosting because Will Brinson doesn't have a voice, but he is here. Will, give us a little squeak. He's um, yes. Oh, my God, that's enough. Save your voice. And we're joined by Tyler Sullivan, my man from Massachusetts. We call him our, what do we call him, our pick six mass hole. Sully, what's up? What's going on? I mean, Brinson, you sound like Darth Vader a little bit over there. It's nice. I like it. Sully, I am your father. Oh, oh no. Lord, have mercy. And John Breach is actually, actually at the stadium. Trying to drink a glass of red wine to like just to like ease the pain. Like it's hard to, to try to like swallow or drink or do anything. Like that's how bad my throat hurts. Oh my god! That's, so like the thing is, he still can't talk and he's still interrupting. So this could be a fun, fun forty-five minutes. I love it. Uh, John Breach, if you're wondering, he is actually at the stadium, State Farm Stadium, covering the game. He, I don't think he's going to join us. We, we said maybe if something controversial or crazy happens, something certainly controversial and crazy happened. Also, if you're wondering, Debo found his way into the stadium. Had what looked to be great seats. And again, like Eagles fans, like our own Billy Trice here, he's pulling a Nick Sariani right now, except unlike Billy, he didn't Billy didn't spend two grand on the old game, I would imagine. All right, let's get to it. So I'll start with you so Brinson can get his mind right. Let's just take a large overview. What was the I think I know the answer, but I'll ask you, what was the biggest play of this game for you? Well, I mean, obviously it's the Bradbury defensive pass interference or defensive holding, whatever they ended up calling it. It's it's tough when you have to define a game that up until that moment was an instant classic. I mean, we were joking around leading up to this Super Bowl when Brinson does his rankings of topping the best Super Bowls of all time. This was going to be right up there, and it still might end up being one of the greatest Super Bowls that we've seen in recent memory. But all of a sudden, and it's kind of been the case this season where all of a sudden things are being sullied. 
because of an officiating call. And so all of a sudden now, instead of the Philadelphia Eagles at least getting one more shot, legitimate shot to win that game, you're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs just running down the clock, taking a knee and kicking a game-winning field goal with just like around eight seconds, five seconds left in that game. It, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth when it should be looked at as an all-time game. So, Brenton, let me ask you this. Because, Sully, I mean, that's obviously going to be the talking point for the next week, maybe even longer. But if you go back to the second quarter, the third drive for the Chiefs, um, Patrick Mahomes hits Juju on a third and eight on their own 27-yard line. It would have been a first down. Some guy named Bradbury turned Juju around, no call. Now, if the calls had been switched, if they'd thrown that in the second quarter and didn't call at the end of the game, there'd be whinging by Chiefs fans, no doubt about it. So, do you care about the timing? Do you think the first one should have been called? Do you think neither, both what? I mean, I think you always want to have the correct calls made. Uh, to me, the problem is, I'm going to turn my volume up a little bit so I can speak softly, um, is that in that moment, it's the third down, the Eagles have got them in a position where if they throw an incomplete pass, uh, you know, it's going to be Philly ball or they're going to throw the, or they're going to try and throw a touchdown. And it was such a soft call. Where it's like they're going to get the ball back. It just, it. I don't like. I don't like the timing of it and how that essentially decided the game. Um, especially when we could have gotten Jalen Hurts down three with the ball with like two minutes left. Like I'm not saying the NFL should not make calls because we want to get better action. I'm just saying that you know this like that's not the time and the place for that call. You want to get all the calls correct, but that's just not where you make that call. Right. I'm with you. Well, I, I didn't think. And, go ahead. Anyway, the refs. Did, I thought the refs did a overall very good job in uh, in this Super Bowl. In those moments, you know, I know that you should call the game exactly the same way all four quarters, but if you're going to kind of pick and choose, I prefer you to swallow your whistles when we get inside of two minutes. I want you to play out. Now, if anything egregious happens, obviously you make those calls like we've seen in that game again, the New Orleans Saints and the Los Angeles Rams way back when. Obviously, those crazy calls you make, but these ticky-tack ones, again, an all-time classic game, and now this is going to be the talking point for obviously our podcast and every show, whether it's HQ, you go down the list, this is going to be the talking point, which which just stinks because, again, you're talking about an all-time performance from Jalen Hurts. You're talking about an all-time performance from Patrick Mahomes after he re-injured his ankle injury and was able to go on a 21-3 rip in that beginning of that second half. And we're all going to be talking about this play with Bradbury and Juju Smith-Schuster. It, it just thinks of how that turns out. If you're watching on YouTube, Billy just played the the clip, and it, it is soft, and it's softer than the one the no call in, in the on the third drive that I mentioned just a moment ago. I don't know. Pereira thought, seemed to think it was just one second. Pereira seemed to think that it was the right call, and he's he's pretty much batting nine ninety nine. But the timing stinks. Go ahead, Brinson. I was just saying one. You could look at the clip too, and you can see. Um, yeah, Juju was like pushing off with an arm bar too. Like you could, you could say that like, you know, it's just going both ways. And the other thing I would say about this is that that flag just doesn't fit in the context of how these officials called this game throughout the course of the game. And it, I think it's one of those things where like, it's, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I don't think anybody think, I mean, I don't, I obviously don't think they're scripted or, you know, like, like they, they're biased towards the Chiefs, but, you know, given what we saw at the end of the Bengals game where they got a, a really, you know, close penalty that gives them a chance to win in the AFC Championship game. And then the same thing happens at the end of the Super Bowl when you have this team that's very popular with the most popular player in the league, the MVP, first guy to win MVP uh, and Super Bowl MVP uh, and the Super Bowl since uh, Kurt Warner in 99. It's just like, it's just, it just it doesn't sit well. It's like this incredible game. And like Sully said, it's just like that. It's just a sour taste in our mouths. 
And, well, and the, the thing, thing is, is, too, well, real quickly, Wilson, I mean, you look at that play, and it's it'd be one thing if, if Bradbury's grabbing the left arm or he's even grabbing the towel that's in the back of Juju Smith-Schuster's pants. Like, if you see a full hold or anything along those lines, it's just even a little bit egregious. You, you feel a little bit better about the call. It, it kind of just felt like he was just having a hand on his defender to kind of feel where he was going. It, it did not feel to me like it was impeding Juju Smith-Schuster to make any breaks that he was going to do. By the way, uh, Billy's slowing this thing down like there's a Pruder film. If this were the other <laughs> way around, he wouldn't even be showing this stuff. Uh, by the way, also worth noting, uh, I said this, I don't know if it was last podcast or at some point uh, during our, our conversations in Phoenix, but Charles uh, uh, Carl Sheffer's crew, the ref and his, his crew, called on average 13 penalties per game. This season, they only got eight. And I said in one of my bold predictions that uh, they would get under that number. They got under the number, but there might be a, a, a call that affects the outcome. I don't know if this qualifies. I think you two seem to think it does. But for me, the bigger play, maybe the most impressive, this is going to be, this is it. This is the, another big play. Let me put it to you that way. Very next snap. The Eagles, and I give Nick Sirianni credit, that dude is prepared. We talk about Nathaniel Hackett having no idea that he's even coaching football as a first-year guy. Sirianni year two is on point every single uh, at every single point in the game. But the, for me, the next play, Sirianni said, look, let him score. McKinnon runs around the left side, and he does a little pop-up slide at the one-inch line. I, I, I'm sure every fiber of his being wanted to get in the end zone, but he made himself slide. I'm sure that Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, everyone else, Eric Bimini told him, whatever you do, do not score. And that changed the game because, Brinson, I think you mentioned a moment ago, we would have an opportunity to see Jalen Hurts with a minute 54 left, I think. A minute 36 is when he actually did that slide. Uh, Eagles out of timeout. So, for me, that was one of the headier plays. Uh, they didn't involve all the things we saw Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts do. Is there anything that stuck out to you, Brinson, uh, in terms of things that – are worth discussing other than complaining about the officials. Yeah. I mean, I thought that uh, what a job by Andy Reid and his play calling uh, to start mm -hmm. the second half. Like, you know, uh, it was, uh, I believe it was 24 to 14 uh, it, going into halftime, right? The, the Eagles were only the second team in NFL history to lose with a double digit lead at halftime in the Super Bowl. The other being, of course, the Atlanta Falcons against the New England Patriots. And um, to me, like Andy Reid came out, they had a 10 play, 75 yard, five minute, 30 second drive to make it 21-24, and the Eagles would go down and get a field goal. Chiefs would score on the next you know, the next two drives. Nine plays, 75 yards, four minutes and 41 seconds. And they got a huge kickoff return from Kadarius Tony, who, I mean, like, you count his touchdown, you count that kickoff punt return. Punt return, punt return. Oh, punt return, sorry. Yeah, the longest punt return is in Super Bowl history. Um, honestly, like, it, those two plays alone – justify the trade they made for him at midseason. And when you had, you know, a situation where, you know, you trade Tyreek Hill and you have Marcus Valdez Scantling and you know you, you have these sort of like a, a potpourri of wide receivers to bring a guy like Tony in who's such a like a dangerous quick twitch guy around the line of scrimmage. Um I think that that was, you know, like you look you go back and think like you know, maybe that's the kind of trade in midseason that changes the fortunes of this team because you end up winning the Super Bowl as a result. Hey let me ask you this Sully just quickly let me ask you this about that. So that I wish Breach were here to talk about it because Sipos was a punter. He had missed the previous six games with an injury. He hit a line drive up the middle with that punt, and that sort of uh, precipitated what happened next. Um, so Ben Baldwin, the the mathematician economist guy who does the Ben bot that tells you whether you should go for it on fourth down or not, said in that situation that it may have made sense for the Eagles to go for it. And let me, let me find the exact number. And I only mentioned that because early in the first half, everything that the um, – Eagles are doing involved going for it on fourth down, and they were successful every time. And the, the guard it was going to be had the Chiefs lost, they should have gone for it in, in the first down instead of selling for the field goal that Bucker ended up missing. So let me give you the exact details. It was 
Uh, fourth and three, um, 68 yards from the end zone. I don't know what the math is on that. What's that, the 32? 32? 32-yard line. Yeah. 10-33 left in the game, and the um, Chiefs were up by one. Did that even cross? It didn't cross my mind. I was fine punting. Where were you on that? Not even a little bit. I mean, okay. you you had seen so far at that point, Kansas City was rolling. They went on a 10-play, 75-yard touchdown drive right off the rip to begin the second half. They went on another 75-yard touchdown drive right after that. You're all of a sudden going to give them the ball possibly on the doorstep of the red zone? I, it, that, that, to me, it's a little bit too far into your own territory to have that discussion. Now, if you're at midfield at your own 45 you can start having those conversations and in, in, in maybe go for it. Because, again, Nick Sirianni was aggressive in this game. I don't think that you would say that they weren't. They were going for it all the time, and those Jalen Hurts kind of you know, pushed him to the pile first down runs. But in that spot, the way that the Chiefs were playing, it to me it never crossed my mind for them to go yeah. for it at that point. Brenton, do you have any yeah, I, I thought um... – you know, initially when I saw a fourth down, I was like, oh, he's, you know, he's aggressive. He's been aggressive all game. He's going to go for it here. And then you're like, yeah, fourth and six of the 33. And he ended up being right because you know, they obviously got the ball back and then went on to, you know, tie the game. Um, but I'm well, not the ball back after a touchdown. <laughs> a crappy, a ball, they got the ball back after that crappy punt that led to a touchdown. Oh, right, 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 right. But I'm just saying, yeah, I mean, I'm saying like, I think at fourth and six, when they're down one, right? Fourth and three. I think is that what I said? Is that what I said? Fourth, fourth and three. Yeah, fourth and three for the 32. Mm. Fourth and three, 20, 27. I think I wanted him to go, but I wasn't like super mad about him punting. Yeah, I wasn't either. Um, Billy, come in here quickly. We'll give you 90 seconds. Someone in the comments mentioned this. Um, it had the, it's less to do with the final play and more to do with the second half overall. We talked before the podcast uh, that Jonathan Gannon didn't make the adjustments he needed to make. Uh, the other argument is, turns out Patrick Mahomes pretty good. So what, were, what happened in the second half defensively for the Eagles? I mean, I think Jonathan Gannon, at the end of the day, he was he's he was willing to stick to his guns and stay in that shell, and he allowed the Chiefs' defense to run on them. I think they had 88 yards going into that third quarter. And, I mean, when you're playing Patrick Mahomes and how elite he is and he's, you know, the reigning MVP, you have to protect the pass. You have to make sure he's not throwing the ball over top. But, you know, that Marquez Valdez-Scantling was, was – completely taken out of this game so he did do something well but at the end of the day the Chiefs in that second half were able to control the ball with the run game scored on every single possession and you know honestly you can talk about the defense you can say that they didn't do what they need to do in the second half but the offense needed to score touchdowns at the end of the game we knew coming into this matchup they had to score touchdowns and they didn't do enough of that mind you the offense also I mean, they scored they 35. They, scored 35 yeah, they, they turned the ball over. You can't do that. You just can't do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I they just scored 11 points in the, what was it, 20, 24 to 11 in the second half, I believe. So that, that sort of, and let me ask this, let's say this quickly. Uh, coming into the third quarter, you sort of touched on it, Billy. The Chiefs had 89 passing yards, 39 rushing yards, 0 for 3 on third down, and were being uh, outrushed or out yardaged, if you will, 270 to 128. And perhaps more importantly, 21, almost 22 minutes time possession for the Eagles to just over eight for Kansas City. And uh, Brenton, you, you, you sort of touched on this. Um, Andy Reid knows how to do halftime adjustments. <laughs> he knows how to do in-game adjustments. And I'll just say this, and you, if you guys have any thoughts, let me know. Two of the, I mean, I mentioned the Jarek McKinnon getting down early. But two of the plays that stuck out to me is something that we I haven't seen all season, and I don't do X's and O's in terms of you know 
how they work and drawing them up and, and wanted to be a future offense coordinator. But the first touchdown to Kadarius Tony in the second half, and then the Sky Moore touchdown on the opposite side, the exact same route. You you never see guys do that, or you very rarely see guys do that. And they were both wide ass open. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it before in in a couple of different instances. It's all right. Thank you for throwing me on the bus. Go ahead, Sully. Well, no, it's it's a little bit different because you're full blown motioning him, almost looking like a jet sweep of some sorts, going to the inside, and he completely stops and goes the other way. We've seen like Hunter Renfro do those like ninja routes, and and Julian Edelman's done it before in in the Super Bowl. I think it was against the Seahawks in that very stadium, but that was a little bit different because obviously both of those guys have a previous record on tape for those jet sweeps, for those touch pass runs, and everybody on the Eagles was biting on that. They were leaving them wide open on it, especially the Tony one, I thought. But, yeah, that that was an interesting play, a, a timely call there by Andy Reid and Eric Bianney. Yeah, I mean the second half play calling by Andy Reid is was just fantastic, and I I don't know like you know we talk about adjustments and exactly what they did. I think you got to give credit to the offensive line, which did a really good job of keeping Mahomes uh, protected with that. You know he had the bum ankle in the second half. Um, I thought they did a good job, and I thought Andy really like you know especially like down near the red zone wanted to get the ball out quickly out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, use more motion, get guys you know moving across. You sort of wonder. I mean. Look, I'm not trying to not be enemy. I'm just curious if you know if there's like any chance like Andy was like, I'm taking over, you know, like we're like, I'm taking more control over the place in the second half, or if he, you know, drew some stuff up and he worked with Mahomes. Um, you know, you, the other thing you, you think about that with the adjustments and uh like an extra bonus length of the Super Bowl halftime, that helps, you know. You get an extra what, like seven minutes instead of the actual the normal thirteen minutes of an NFL game. Thirteen to twenty nine. Well, I think, that that, I think that that was the biggest sneaky part of this whole game was he hurts that angle with like about 90 seconds to go in that first half. Kind of, if that's going to re-aggravate itself at some point, that's kind of the perfect time because you yeah. finish out the first half and all of a sudden you have an extended halftime, obviously with Rihanna doing her thing. And you come out, you, you treat whatever you got to treat and you do whatever you got to do. You got to inject what you ever got to inject into yeah, that ankle. Yeah, Tordo, you're the real MVP. Like, and he looked totally fine coming into that second half. Obviously had that big, what was it? 26, 28 yard run on that fourth, fourth quarter. You lay it all out there, but if that's going to happen, you want it to happen right before halftime. You don't want it to be right before the fourth quarter or, you know, right at the beginning of the third. It, if it's going to happen, that's the sneaky pivotal point there where they are able to treat it at halftime and have the extended break. But so, I think the biggest, I think the biggest part of that in the second half is that for the difference that I saw from my perspective is that Patrick Mahomes was getting the ball out far faster than he was in the first half. The first half, you saw him hold the ball several times. You saw the Eagles pressure get there, you know, pressure him a little bit and 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 make him uncomfortable. In the second half, he looked like he was out there having a seven-on-seven game, and he was just doing whatever he wanted. He was picking the Eagles apart. I think that was the difference between the first half and the second half, which allowed the Chiefs team to get back into the game and take it over. I, I think that's interesting because uh, we heard uh, – Greg Olson and um, Kevin Burkhart mentioned that Jonathan Gannon told them that they wanted Mahomes to get the ball out faster in like under 2.5 seconds versus, you know, extending plays, moving around, holding the ball a little longer. And then you end up having that switch where he is getting the ball out faster. It's it's almost like, again, you go back to halftime adjustments. Did Andy Reid see some stuff in the Eagles defense and what they were doing and the pressures they were bringing where he's like, all right, we're going to get this ball out quick, but maybe get it out a little more horizontally and, you know, get it to these receivers in these spots where they can do the stuff they do in the open field. That's been the story about this team all year. I wrote about it leading up to the Super Bowl, how they've changed their offense 
post Tyreek Hill because you have these two teams that made the two big blockbusters, one shipping out Tyreek, the other one bringing in A.J. Brown. The way that they've changed this offense, Kansas City has, is they've incorporated those death by a million paper cuts. It's no longer Mahomes running around and you know Tyreek Hill streaking down the field and you're able to chuck it deep. He led the NFL in EPA per drop back with throws with less than 2.5 seconds to throw. He threw a he tied the record for most touchdowns to running backs and tight ends. His average length of pass when you talk about air yards was the lowest of his career. He he was he was chucking this, you know, dinking and dunking his way to another championship and that's been the kind of the story all year for this team. They kind of got back to their roots I thought in that second half, especially that they knew now you, we got to get this thing out quick, not only because the Eagles have a great pass rush, but also we got a quarterback with a bung, bung ankle at this point. So, uh, Brinson, I'll ask you, non-Patrick Mahomes, who's who's the best player on that offense? Um, that's a good question. Uh, go to Sully. I've got to call real quick. I'll, so, go like, with, I'll go with Isaiah Pancheco because he had to kind of carry that load in that second half. What we were talking about, he had to run a little bit more. You you saw Travis Kelsey be super impactful in that first half. I think he had like 60 yards in the first quarter and the ends of the game with around 80 something, some odd yards. So he was kind of neutralized as that game went on. Whereas I thought it was kind of the opposite with Pacheco. He was given a little bit more work. He was getting a little bit more burst as that game got along. He, he He obviously scored that touchdown in the midst of that run there. So to me, he was the guy that was kind of the anchor to that offense to stabilize things. We saw, obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles go on these long, drawn touchdown drives. That was kind of the case for this team late in the game that were putting it away to get themselves in position to score that game-winning field goal. So if we're, we're going to obviously go beyond Patrick Mahomes on the offensive side of the ball, look at the backfield. Uh, yeah. I was I had Marquez Valdez Scantling as catching two touchdowns and winning MVP. He uh, had a bunch of zeros in his score sheet. Uh, Brinson, what do you got? Uh, one target. Yeah, I think Pacheco is a great call. I thought Juju Smith-Schuster was mm-hmm. uh, big, big down the stretch. I mean, he made. I think it was either the five, the yeah, the final drive or the next to last drive, but maybe both of them, where he just made a, a bunch of like key catches in big spots. And you know, they brought him in. I mean, he was talking the trash during the during the week leading up to the Super Bowl. You know, he thrashed cheesesteaks and said that Philly didn't even have good cheesesteaks. Um, he was brought in to sort of be not to replace Tyreek Hill, but to be the guy who could open up a different area of this offense, get those short yardage plays, get more out of the slot. And he did he did a great job. Canaries Tony, give him credit too. That Paul returned the touchdown. I mean, those are massive. Like the the Chiefs got huge performances from rookies and guys who were additions this offseason or during the season. That's a real big testament to uh, Andy Reid and that, that front office, Brett Veach, the GM, and how they were able to trade Tyreek Hill, get all those you know draft picks back, pick up these guys at a cheaper price and um, you know, reload for the future. I'll just tell you this about Juju Smith-Schuster. First half, one catch on three targets, five catches. He finishes the game with seven catches, 53 yards on nine targets. I mean, he was leaned on extremely heavily. And, and I talked about Travis Kelsey, too, somewhat neutralized in that second half. 60 yards in, at halftime, he finishes with 81. When you don't have Travis Kelsey being Travis Kelsey and you score three straight touchdowns, it is kind of no wonder that Patrick Mahomes is the MVP here because he was able to lose his top option and still be able to move down the field with relative ease. And Travis Kelsey still led the team in in, uh, in yards because that's how he rolls. You mentioned the MVP. Let's go to the other side of the ball because old uh, Sully's MVP got screwed out of the MVP. Uh, and you could argue he was an offensive weapon as well. And you could argue he could have had two touchdowns if they didn't. I mean, you might be able to make the case that early in the third quarter that when Legereus Sneed blew up Miles Sanders, that was the fault. I'll, I'll tell you this. 
I, I didn't think that. Was, I thought it was an obvious incomplete pass. You can't talk though, so we don't. We don't. I couldn't hear what you said. Go ahead, Sally. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this because I know you were you were pointing me in the direction of this with Nick Bolton, the linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs. When we get to the Super Bowl next year, watch what happens with my Madden NFL simulations. The past three Super Bowl winners have also won in that Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl MVP in this most previous one was Nick Bolton. He had a pivotal interception in the simulation. Obviously had the touchdown fumble recovery in this game tonight. We might Wait, be living Sally, in a simulation. Sally, I got to stop you. I love that it was pivotal in the simulation. Go ahead. It was. It was in the fourth quarter. It was amazing. <laughs> I, I was sitting here in my living room in my office, and it was I was going crazy. And it was almost as good as this simulation. I did. I watched the whole thing. I, that's, that's what I have to do. It's part of the job, guys. And basically, I got a sneak preview as to what Nick Bolton was going to do in this game. He was an absolute monster. Nine tackles, obviously, that fumble recovery for the touchdown. But he was making plays all over the field. There were certain instances where he was sniffing out running plays for Philadelphia. There was one in particular. I forget exactly when it was, but it was a third down. They eventually converted the fourth down, but it was a third and short. And he absolutely beats Miles Sanders to the edge and is able to take him down before he converts the first down. He was making plays like that all over the field tonight. So to me, I thought he was the MVP. Obviously, you're going to give it to Patrick Mahomes for what he was able to do in the second half, but don't sleep on that performance. I think he had 180 tackles in the season. I think that's what he had, which seems to me like you would be very sore by the end of the year. Brent, let me ask you this. So we're talking about the, the Nick Bolton play that came early in the second quarter. The Eagles were rolling. They're up 14-7, and it was the weirdest play probably of Jalen Hurts' NFL career. He wasn't even touched. He just changed hands, Billy shaking his head. He knows what's coming, and he fumbled the ball, and the rest is history, tied 14-14. But that didn't change the complexion of the game. The Eagles were still kicking their ass for the rest of the first half. Wow. When you think about Jalen Hurts' season, not his season, when you think about this game, is your first thought he set the, the world record for touchdown rushes for a quarterback that he played the way he did that he looks like the hall of famer or is it going to be yeah this play led to nick bolton scoring that touchdown to tie the game um well real quick on nick bolton i would say too that like you know even though we hung out with sully all week and you know we're like you know had a, had a blast love sully like you know want to be want to hang with him more i was still like i still just can't root for your like somebody else's happiness so when bolton had the second like touchdown i was like i don't want that to happen like i don't want him to win that mvp for this on his uh on his madden simulation um love you too well yeah, I'm just I'm kidding. But the, yeah, I thought the um, I mean, I thought the Miles Sanders play like you just I didn't think he established like that he was you know he was in there. The the fumble by Jalen Hurts, no, it you know didn't matter. The Eagles were still up ten going into halftime, but if they were up seventeen going into halftime, I mean, man, like that that was a huge play. You don't expect to get that touchdown for the Chiefs defense when you start thinking about the complexity of this game. Um, I, but I don't like I don't look at it and think like the Eagles blew the game. I think it was just a really good game with a ton of points. And you know sometimes you got it. Sometimes you play. I mean Patrick Mahomes is pretty much the new Tom Brady, right? He's got Andy Reid. Sometimes you're just going to lose to those guys uh, because they're really really good at what they do. I'll, I'll tell so, you there there is an, an inevitability for Patrick Mahomes, right? There there is that feeling that you're kind of alluding to. Well, with you know it was the same thing with Tom Brady. Even when everything was going wrong with this Kansas City team, where it's just the the the, the time of possession is like twenty minutes to seven, and everything's going wrong for this team in Kansas City, it just kind of felt like, all right, well, they're still hanging around. Believe it or not, all of a sudden, it's only one possession. It's only ten points. It's only about a field goal game, and everything's going wrong. Once things start clicking, we saw what happened in the second half. They, they start rolling there. So, yeah, I do think that they have that kind of title now where even when things aren't going well, you can't necessarily count them out. So, Billy, the, if you want to do the the hockey thing, Jalen Hurts' plus, touchdown plus minus was 
was three. He had four touchdowns allowed, gave up one, if you will. Um, you mentioned that that sort of sticks in your craw that this play that we're watching here on YouTube, the Nick Bolton touchdown return. At any point, did you feel like what was your highest level of okay, we're going to win this percentage wise, or was it always at twelve percent? I felt like when we that that drive when we when we were able to score and stop them on defense and you know on this drive right here we're driving down the yep. field we're at we're almost at the 50 yard line and it looks like we're going to capitalize and and get points you know on, on a big drive to really give us a a major lead in the first half those are the type of situations as a quarterback you have to capitalize on you know there's no excuses yeah you had four touchdowns in the game you played a, a very great game but when you're in the super bowl and, and, and the margins of error are very slim, you have to be the best. And you have to be the best. And you cannot make mistakes. And at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes played an all right game. He didn't throw for 300 yards. Come but on he protected oh. the ball. He, protect, he protected the ball. Yeah, he did what he needed to do to, prevent, to, to push his team and help them win. Yeah. That's what Damon Hurts didn't do. He threw for 300 yards. He had four touchdowns. He played a great game, but at the end of the day, when his team needed him the most and he needed to make the correct plays, he, mm. didn't, he wasn't able to do that. So yes. at the end of the day, he you know, Mahomes played a better game. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not upset with that. But I don't understand this take at all. How do you not understand that? At the end, of- they both played great games. They were both good, and the Chiefs just got the Chiefs got the better end of the. You, know. you can't make that mistake. Chandler's made some obscene throws in this game. You can't make that mistake, and and that that when you, when you're up a touchdown and you're driving like that, you can't fumble the ball. Oh, that, he didn't do it. He didn't do it on, the, that did it on purpose. the trajectory of the whole game. If they go down and at least get three points on that drive, they probably win the game. I mean, he probably win the game. I mean, like, I'm just not putting this game on Jalen Hurts. Though. Like, I, I right. I'm not, I don't think that this is Cam Newton Super Bowl 50. Doesn't reach for the fumble type of a kind oh, of. Oh no, no. I don't think it's that egregious. But I do think at the end of the day, like it, it, it's 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 a pretty big moment in this game. It yeah, is a big yeah, enough moment. It made it. Down. Yeah, I mean that's a big. It guess. made it 14-14, but the Eagles also were leading 21-14 to the half. I agree. And the, I and, agree. And Jalen Hurts isn't responsible for making the defensive adjustments for the for the Eagles. Let's talk about the Eagles defense. I mean, uh, again, Jalen Hurts, three hundred passing yards, and set the record for most rushing yards by a quarterback in the Super Bowl. Got it. Yep. I called that on HQ, by the way. Yep. And so, real quickly, when we're talking about these kind of calls going one way for Kansas City, especially late there, let, let let's also point out too that. Philadelphia might have got away with one in terms of what ended up being a a nicely placed ball by Jalen Hurts, but to Dallas Goddard that kind of went off his helmet, touched the foot, went out. That kind of didn't feel like a catch to me, but it was ruled to catch on the field. They review it. They keep it upheld. That turns into a field goal drive there for Philadelphia to, you know, come there, take the lead, take the lead back there. So, you get calls. You don't get calls. It kind of washes itself out. I don't like how that call was timed, but ultimately I do think these come out in the wash in some What do you mean? What's timing? I don't like the timing of that call by Bradbury when you're inside. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant the Dallas Goddard one. Yeah. yeah. I thought the Dallas Goddard one was a catch, too. I did, uh, the Devontae Smith one felt like the right call. The Dallas Goddard one felt like the right call, and the Bradbury one we're going to be talking about um, sure. forever. But to, to Billy's point, if, if Jalen Hurst completed every pass and didn't make any mistakes, they would have won by 50, so that's on Jalen. I mean, maybe. I like the defense allowed – you know, the defensive special teams allowed three touchdowns to start the second half. You know, 10 plays, 75 yards, um, uh, five minutes, 30 seconds. 
nine plays, 70 yards, four minutes and 41 seconds, and then a 49-second 49, 49 touchdown uh, after Canary started returning that punt, nearly nearly housed. I, I think that, like, that to me is the difference here. It's not like Jalen Hurts played poorly or Mahomes just outplayed him. It's the coaching staff for the Eagles, for the, for the Chiefs, excuse me, prepared their team better for the second half than the defensive coaching staff for the Eagles did. No, there's only one person on. Hold on, Billy. Billy, hold on, hold on. There's only one person on planet Earth that wasn't crazy about Jalen Hurts' performance. And maybe Billy, you you gave him like a B plus. I give him an A plus. But go ahead, explain. Explain yourself one last time, because people people in the comments think that you might be. uh, I don't want to say that Jalen Hurts didn't play a great game because I mean he 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 played at a very elite level. Everybody throughout the whole playoffs. We're talking about how, you know, he didn't throw for 300 passing yards. You know, you know, the defense carried him. He in the Super Bowl carried the whole team. He put the whole team on his back and he did everything that he could to put them in the best situation. But that being said, in the situation of, you know, you know, having a turnover, you can't do that in this like in the game. Right. Like, it just okay. matters too much. But to talk about Brinson's point. Throughout the whole totality of the season, the Eagles' special teams has been the biggest weakness on their team. It's not been a surprise. And, you know, eventually it had to come back and bite us in the butt, and it did. This in, in the biggest game of the season, unfortunately. But, you know, you got to hang your hat. The Chiefs played a great game. They made the correct adjustments. You know, I, I'm good, man. You know, Andy got one. So, you know, I mean, he got another one. But, you know, it's all good. You know, it makes it better for an Eagles fan that Andy got one. And it's not like, you know, Bill Belichick getting revenge on us or something like that. Sorry, um, sorry, sorry, Sully. Yeah, no, sorry. I already said to you before the show, Billy, I was a sleeper cell trying to get my Patriots revenge by picking the Eagles and, and jinxing <laughs> you. That's that's really the whole thing that I was doing. But to, to, to your point a little bit, I, I know what you're saying. The margins are so slim when you get to a game like this, that a critical mistake like that, that not only turns, you know, obviously – you know, you have the missed field goal by Butker. That turned into a 10-point swing. Obviously, the fumble by Jalen Hurts, that turns into a 7-point swing. Those types of mistakes can lose you games. It kind of felt like for a minute there that miss by Butker was going to be the sticking point for Kansas City. Right. It ultimately didn't, and the Jalen Hurts thing is going to be pointed to. But again, the, the the level that he was playing in in this game was such a high level. I do give him a wash here. It, it's a horrible mistake. It, it's, a, it's a horribly timed mistake. But it's not like he was this goat that just had this egg of a performance. It was all time. If we're no, he was all right. He's a simple MVP. Okay, we got it. Let's let's move on from Jalen. I don't want to spend all this time crushing Jalen because he actually played well. We all agree about that. But let's talk about Billy talked about the special teams. Brinson mentioned the special teams for the Eagles. Oh, that defense. Hassan Reddick had 19 and a half sacks coming into this game. Javon Hargrave 11. Josh Sweat uh, 11. Brandon Graham 11. Fletcher Cox 7. And Last time I checked, they had zero sacks on one-legged Patrick Mahomes, who, as you mentioned earlier, Sully, had ripped up that long run in the fourth quarter uh, to set up that game-winning field goal. If there's someone you're going to point the finger at, Brinson, that didn't show up that you thought might on that defense, because that's how we heard all week. I think I said over – I think I said Son Reddick, four and a half sacks. Clearly, no one got any sacks. Uh, oh. you have any thoughts on, on that side of the football? What was the second sack on uh, Hurts? Because the first one was he actually ran out of bounds. Was the yard. second one was similar to that. One so, Chanel yeah, and, and like one uh, Colin Saunders. No sacks in this game by either team like that. Virtually, like, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, you really wouldn't even count the two that, that were against Hurts. Um, uh, you know, it didn't feel like Reddick made the plays. I mean, like I'm not saying he played bad. It didn't feel like he had those splash plays that we'd seen. In first the half, he pressured Patrick Mahomes on back-to-back drives, and then it felt like we lost all those guys. Yeah, I, 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 again, like, not to hammer this point home, but it's like you saw the Chiefs come out and do do things differently on offense in the second half, and I think that was part and parcel to, uh, you know, eliminate 
some of the pressure that the Eagles were getting in that first half to at least force. Because man, Mahomes had the Super Bowl is not tainting it out of here. Um, Mahomes had uh, Mahomes had like you know. Uh, several moments before he hurt his ankle again or re reaggravated it, where he like made, really moved in the pocket well and avoided pressure. Like like the Eagles were very close to getting him down. He just did what he does, and you know, and, and like you know, again, like I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to hammer these Eagles guys. I think the Chiefs just changed what they did on offense, and it, and it forced the the Eagles to really. I don't think they adjusted well enough on their defense side of things. Part of it was the quick passing, like, like Will's alluding to. They changed things up where they're taking the ball. If you're throwing it with less than 2.5 seconds to, to throw the football, it's really hard for the pass rush to get home. So, you know, when you do it like that, it, it's no wonder that Patrick Mahomes wasn't sacked in this game. To me, the more egregious thing with the defense is their red zone execution. You look at the stats this season, they were a borderline top 10 team in the red zone defensively, four or five in this game when, when mm. you get into the red area that just can't happen we saw a kansas city defense on the opposite side of the coin when philadelphia is going on a 17 yard or 17 play drive it really feeling like they were trying to put the game away with a touchdown of their own they're holding firm and holding them to a field goal and that felt like a big swing in that game and so when you, all of a sudden you're your defense is not scoring touchdowns at a certain point and now all of a sudden every time the kansas city chiefs get into the red zone they're scoring yeah, you're going to see runs like 21 to three to come out of the second half. Was this the best Super Bowl ever, Brenton? No. I don't think so either, but we like to do these overreaction, knee jerk reaction. If that Bradbury call hadn't been hadn't been made, uh, it certainly made, would have been in the K. It would have been in the, in the conversation. I think, uh, again, like, and we're not saying, nobody's saying it's tainted. It's just like, if it's just like taking this, taking this air out of this balloon where it's yeah. like, you're like, oh my God, like this is, like, who knows how this is going to end. By the way, like Jared McKinnon, I don't know if you guys mentioned that was going, but like, what a job by him getting down short of the goal line when instead of scoring, that would allow the Eagles, you know, to possibly uh, march down the field and get a touchdown to tie things up. Um, it, you know, it just felt like, just, you know, like this, like, incredibly dramatic and awesome game. And suddenly, you know, come back by Mahomes and suddenly just like, Pew. Um, I, I think I was trying to look up my rankings and see if I could uh, see them, but like, I would put the Super Bowl 49 ahead of it. I would put the Eagles, uh, Patriots ahead of it. Um, probably one of the Eagles Giants. Uh, yeah. Steelers, Steelers Cardinals. Steelers Cardinals. Is that what you just said, Sully? Yes. Nice. Also, I, I'm like the 28 3 game is up there too. I mean, that's better than this game. This game was fun, though. I think the other takeaway is after sitting through in person in Atlanta, that piece of crap Rams Patriots game, this feels like not even the same sport. Yeah. Well, well to, to go back on what Brinson was saying, too, the key moment with Jeremy McKinnon, uh, you know, I think you got to go back to thanking Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns and then th Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants because those were very similar situations earlier in the year with that Jets comeback yeah. with the Browns. And I forget who they were, the Giants were playing, but Saquon went down to kill the clock. I, I do think that these coaches do look at that and take it to the team the next, next week or the next day and say, hey, when we get into this situation, let's learn from these guys' mistakes. So, you know, you look back earlier in the season, it's not just what you do that is a teachable moment, but you can look across the league and say, hey, listen, when we get into this type of a situation, let's make sure we do X. And Jarek McKinnon was able to at least remember that, whether it was through the coaching of Andy Reid, seeing other teams or just knowing it outright. Um, like, uh I'm gonna, I'm gonna list. I'm gonna read some Super Bowls. You, you stop me when you when you would put this Super the Super Bowl that just happened ahead of it. Uh, Super Bowl 49, Cardinals. Uh, I mean, excuse me, uh, Patriots and Seahawks. I, no, no brainer. Uh, the David Terry helmet catch. Eagles, Patriots, and uh, the Nick Foles game. All the Patriots losses are better than this game. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Patriots are the Falcons. Steelers over the Cowboys in Super Bowl 13. 
Sure. I, 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 I rewatched the whole thing. Uh, so I wasn't even born. Giants over the Bills, the uh, the field goal game. Uh, Niners over the Bengals, twenty to sixteen. The uh, the um, Tennessee Titans come up a half yard short game. Uh, you know, I'm not reading all these. What am I doing? I can really talk. Yeah, uh, as well. <laughs> that's what I want to go. It's like maybe a top ten Super Bowl, but probably more like top fifteen. Well, let well, me let me ask you really quickly. Where did you put last year's Super Bowl? Because we were talking about this over the over the course of Super Bowl week. I think we put it what inside the top twenty. I think Breach was was saying that like, you know it's probably I think seventeen. I think this Super Bowl is at least top fifteen. I think you get into that conversation. This Super Bowl was better than last year's Super Bowl. Exactly, and we put that I think in the top twenty. So that's this one's probably better than that, and will be maybe in the top fifteen. Number here. If you're watching on YouTube, Billy has very graciously put in a tweet uh, quoting uh, the uh, perpetrator, James Bradbury, who said after the game about the, the penalty against Juju Smith-Schuster, he said, I pulled on this jersey. They called it. I was hoping they wouldn't let it ride. Or they would let it ride. Excuse me. So he sort of – are you are you conceding that maybe he he's saying he broke the rules, Billy? Yeah, I mean, I am. I mean, okay. at, at the end of the day, if you're a defensive player, you know what you're doing out there. You know you, – you know, you know what you're doing, but at the end of the day, <coughs> sorry, it's the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, the, day's over. the day's over. There's like 51 minutes left. Look, Br- Brinson's rubbing off on me. That's what it is. So, okay, look, we, we, we talked about Bradbury. I don't want to talk about that anymore, but there, there's another um, sort of controversy. And I've been on the please love a guy, get rid of artificial turf for, forever. This grass was pretty yep. sucky. Not and good. the good news about grass where you can't stand up is it's harder to get hurt because your, your leg isn't getting locked into the turf. But I do wonder if the higher ups that are, are in charge of such things, owners, commissioner, whomever are like, well, I don't want guys slip sliding all over the place. Let's make sure we put these games on turf because it looks more like football. And then you have things like, you know, guys blowing up their legs. Uh, Brinson, any issues with the field conditions? Uh, yeah, it was terrible. The guys were falling all over the place. Rihanna's halftime thing messed up the uh, messed up the field even worse. Well, they were falling down before that, but no one like no one got burnt in covers because they couldn't stand up. No one missed a uh, fill in a gap in the hole in the run play. Jalen Hurts just how Mary was. Uh, he, he definitely slipped on that one. I mean, not oh that yeah. So instead of landing the twenty, it lands at the fifteen. Well, I was wondering if that poor punt was caused by a slip. It wasn't. Don't make excuses for special teams players. So. Oh, all right, I'll well, we'll try not. Nice to. try. Uh, pull, up I, your, pull up your mask, Breach. Learn the game. I, I think that the NFL, an $18 billion business, deciding to test out a new style of grass that the USGA or somebody well, gave Yeah, I think that's it. Before the Super Bowl in a stadium where they never tested it out is like just another example of how the NFL just can be a little too like like arrogant in its ability to just pull off whatever it wants to pull off. And, um, you know, again, like just doing that with the first, you know, like just the first try, let's just, I guess it'll work. Um, and, you know, instead of like, you know, spinning up and getting better grass, like just get something that works. Like there's gotta be something in between that would have made us for a better situation. And I know that they were, you know, it's a different grass. It's a different field turf entirely than, than what we've seen during the regular season, but the Kansas city chiefs were complaining about the field at state farm stadium back in week one. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. And That's I don't know if I got hurt. Yes, and I, I don't. It's obviously it's different. We know that it's a different field that they were playing on in this game than it was in week one. But you do wonder: is there a condition? You know, it's it's dry out there. It's is it the the, the roof was open? Is there a condition in Glendale where it's not great to have grass? Is it is that a re, is that is there something wrong there? So yeah, the field conditions were horrible. Everybody was slipping and sliding everywhere. It, did I think it ruined the game? No, I don't think anybody. We'd be talking about it as an anecdote. If the if if if, we, if this game ended, but I don't think like we lost the game, or I don't think anybody was really losing this game because of the field. I don't think that was the case at all. Yeah, no one fell down. Right. I mean, it, it was slip sliding around. It, it felt like a game in the '60s in the rain. Um, I mean, it, it affected both teams. They said they said they changed their cleats in the first quarter, second yeah. quarter. Yeah. Uh, but both teams, like both teams, had to deal with the field. It's, right. It's not about like somebody got screwed or and no one tore their ACL. Like Odell Beckham did last yeah. year, right? But just you know, maybe just be better since you have eighteen billion dollars. But yeah, to your larger point, I, I think the I don't want to call it incompetence, but the short sightedness of of whoever whomever's decision it was to make the field the way it was. Our buddy Bud Elliott at Cover Three tweeted out during the game when the guys were slip sliding all over the place that maybe this is a function of, as Brentson noted, new grass, uh, leaving it outside all week to get ready, and then bringing it in in a zero humidity environment and, and air conditioning, and and being surprised when things don't go like you want them to go. Um, let's see. So who are some? Let's talk about the Eagles for a second. Jalen Hurts had a fantastic game. Uh, aside the the fumble aside, um, who was more important for you, Brinson? Uh, give me your favorite pass pass receiver for for the Eagles because all those guys had pretty good evenings. Yeah, all those guys played really well. I mean, Dallas Goddard had the one monster catch that Sully hates for some reason on the sideline. <laughs> um, I mean, had another one pre- earlier to to yeah. move the stick too because yeah. it was a helmet catch. Yeah, it was a good helmet. Yeah, he played really, really well. I thought Devontae Smith had a strong game, but to me, it's easily AJ Brown. Like he was a beast, and he was you know picking up extra yards. He had a great you know adjustment to pick up, get the ball and score that touchdown early on. And he just looked like he looked like like you know say, like I said with Kadarius Tony justifying the trade for him. You know AJ Brown like even if you lose a Super Bowl, clearly justified the, the Eagles' decision to trade for him, and it makes you wonder why the Titans got rid of him. Well, we know why the Titans got rid of him because they've had to fire their general manager. Let me ask you this. So we've been talking about Jalen Hurts and, and the fumble situation, but that he made a fantastic throw to A.J. Brown that Brinson just alluded to. Almost had one intercepted on a similar play, pe- breakup by Juan Thornhill. But Sully, make the argument for why Devontae Smith, if he had stayed in bounds, scored that touchdown instead of going out of the three, maybe the game's different as well. I know because he didn't really track it well. I mean, Legereus Sneed was, was caught peeking inside and – Smith just absolutely burned him. I think he kind of looked at it like he moved his head the wrong way. If he had looked, I think, to his right, 
I think he would have been able to catch that in the breadbasket and basically walk in. I think he looked to his left, kind of spun around, and, and all of a sudden he ends up out of bounds there. You know, they end up scoring, so I don't know if it's necessarily a huge impact in that game, but it saves you a few that, minutes. Saves you a few minutes. Sure, it shaves it shaves some some time off the clock, but. I thought that he was impactful in this game. I thought that even Kenneth Gainwell as a receiver, he didn't have like a crazy big game, four catches for 20 yards, but it felt like he was an outlet in the flat. And I felt like all those four catches were for four, for first down. So to me, there was a lot of guys that Hertz was able to lean on in the passing game, but ultimately he kind of felt like a video game. He, he really did feel like you were able to do whatever you wanted. Yeah, the fumble's not great, but... You're talking about if they end up winning this one, an all-time performance, Super Bowl MVP. You're talking about him as you know an all-time great performance. So as much as it's things that they lost, you're talking about one of the better Super Bowl performances of all time. And you should you should add you won your Jalen Hurts rushing I title. I did. Not a, he didn't have a hundred, but he went over the record of Steve McNair. I can't I can't believe I didn't get the, my bold prediction of the highest scoring Super Bowl ever. Like it's like right there. It's 73, like two points away from it. Oh, this is a great point, too. So, Billy, if you're watching on YouTube, just put up the another great throw from, from uh, Jalen Hurts to Quez Watkins, hit him in the hands, and he, look, he dropped it. And I'm sure he wants it back. It would have been down to the five-yard line. It was 24-21 at this point in the third quarter. And we just talked about how the Eagles only managed 11 points in the second half while the, the Chiefs went, went off for 24. And that's another point to, to sort of bolster everyone's argument but Billy that Jalen Hurts wasn't the problem. Uh, except for that one play. And by the way, Jalen Hurts' ability to get one yard, he is basically Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Jacoby Brissett combined. That sentence has never been uttered in the history of humanity. But going forward on fourth and one or fourth and two, even on that on that two-point conversion, I was like, you know what? I would just run the old um, uh, the goal line sneak that they usually run on, on short yardage. They, they ran the, the, the sort of the, the snap and sweep. And, and by the way, on, on the on that Quest Watkins play, the um the Eagles would settle for a field goal and go up 27-21. Like, you know, you know, like I don't want I don't want to have Quest Watkins. He's not AJ Brown, he's not Devontae Smith, but you got you an NFL wide receiver. You're an NFL wide receiver, you're in the Super Bowl. Your quarterback puts it, puts it a ball on the money in a spot where you only you can catch it. You have to bring that, you have to bring that in, and your team scores a touchdown, you go up, you know, tw- uh, what would be uh, 20, 31, 21. Huge difference going to third, going to the fourth quarter. Two of the biggest losses in the Eagles' season all year: one, Washington, their first loss of the season, and two, the Super Bowl. Clearly, have been on the backs of Quez Watkins not making a play. You go back to Washington; he has that big major catch and then fumbles the ball in the middle of the field. Who does that? And then we now double back to the Super Bowl, and mm. you miss a you miss a, 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 a clear, beautiful pass right in the bread basket. Can't be any better. It, it, it just can't happen, man. It just can't happen. It happened. So yeah, um, I mean, that's why he's that's why he's close Watkins and not H.T. Brown. I mean, like I mean, like I mean, I felt like watching it live. It was like okay, you know, he. I mean, he definitely had to like go up to get it. But I agree, there's no excuse. You got to make the catch in that spot. So a couple little fun facts here. We don't have Breach with us because he's writing furiously. And um, I'll have to fill in a little bit. If you guys have any, let's let's talk about them now. So the Eagles lost the coin toss. The last eight teams to lose the Super Bowl coin, to- coin toss went on to win. So that's not great. And it was, it was interesting that the uh, Chiefs gave the Eagles the ball first. Yeah, I don't know what the thinking was there, but 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 it sort of worked. And oh, another one sort of related to, to Jalen Hurts' fumble. The Chiefs are the fifth team to score a fumble recovery touchdown in a Super Bowl in the last forty seasons. Each of the previous four teams went on to win the game. Most recently, the Broncos in Super Bowl Fifty, 
That was Cam Newton's uh, not great game. Um, both teams had never trailed in the postseason until the Eagles scored on the first drive, and then obviously the Chiefs trailed. And the Chiefs, uh, excuse me, the Eagles had the most opening drive touchdowns since 2000. They had 11, and they were the first team to score an opening drive touchdown in three straight playoff games since at least 1991. So a lot. I mean, you could argue had Jeremy Garoppolo been healthy, even Brock Purdy been healthy, uh, they they would have been as good as either of these teams. And of course, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I think those were the four best teams, and, and they were pretty evenly matched. But I, I don't. I can't imagine there's an argument that the two best teams weren't in the finals. No, that's totally true. And to give you some more fun facts, Jalen Hurts, second player in the Super Bowl era with 300-plus passing yards, one passing touchdown, and three rushing touchdowns, Jeez. including playoffs. The only other guy that's done that is Dak Prescott in 2020. And then the Eagles, this is the most points scored by a losing Super Bowl team. Uh, so, you know, third to score 35 points in back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. So, you know, you, you get a few good performances there by Philadelphia, but just coming up short because you have an all-time guy in Patrick Mahomes. Other than that, it was a great performance from Philadelphia. I mean, you could definitely sort of start talking about, and look, I, I mentioned this last week, but it's like two Super Bowls, uh, uh, first first uh, MVP to win the Super Bowl since uh, Kurt Warner in 1999, Patrick Mahomes is. Um, I don't think he should have been the MVP, but I take your point. I mean, it was pretty obvious he was going to be with that ankle and how he played. But, um, like, you know, look, Tom Brady is done done. He's retired, we think, mostly. I mean, I'm not saying that Patrick Holmes is going to walk him down or anything, but two Super Bowl rings, two MVPs, and two Super Bowl MVPs in your like first five seasons. First five seasons. I mean, that's insane stuff. He's 27 years old. Like, there is no limit to what he could end up doing. He talked about it this week. You know, obviously, it's 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 really hard to do it till you're 40 something years old. But we don't have Matt Patrick Holmes doesn't necessarily have to play until he's 50 years old to match Tom Brady. If he plays until you know he's 27 years old, going to be 28 going into the next year. If if all of a sudden he plays for another, I don't know, eight years and does what we've seen him right now. He's going to put himself in that conversation. And, and we talked about this a lot when Brady was going after Montana. He doesn't necessarily have to match it with seven. If you are dominant and you show that ceiling and you get to like five, all right, you can have the debate at that point. And so to me, he's setting himself up better than anyone. I know around here up in New England, it's a little uneasy about Patrick Holmes. There's a reason why New Englanders root against the Chiefs. It's because he is a very clear threat to Tom Brady, talent-wise, resume-wise, to unseat him as the greatest of all time. Obviously, it's super early because it's five years in, but that's what almost makes it scary. He's won two. There's only 12 other quarterbacks that have ever done that in NFL history. He now joins that company. He's with an elite head coach and Andy Reid, and they've already shown that they can strip away talent like getting rid of Tyreek Hill, and they can still contend. So you can almost, like the Brady, the Brady Patriots did over the time, you can revamp and rebuild on the fly when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. So to me, this is an unbelievable accomplishment because you put yourself on a track to at least have the conversation to match Brady, which is absolutely insane to see. I, I feel like, and I said this last week, and someone said I compared Tiger Woods to Jack Nicholson. Maybe I did. I meant Jack Nicholas, but it's just it's too, it's just too early. It's it's we can chit chat about it. I get it, but you, you just know you can't. You don't know. And Tom Brady did something that no one else has ever done before. Uh, I just I, that, on that point, let me just say this. Uh, going back to the fun facts quickly here, the Chiefs trailed the Eagles at ten at halftime. Teams that trailed by ten or more points at halftime were one in twenty six in the Super Bowl. <laughs> the only one, of course, being uh, Tom Brady, the Patriots against the old Falcons. There, also. 
Only Tom Brady, kid, I don't want to talk about it, but only Tom Brady has more playoff wins when trailing by double digits than Patrick Mahomes. And Tom Brady is 87 and Patrick Mahomes is 27. Um, just throwing it out too that, you know, Andy Reid, if, if he had he ripped off a bunch of Super Bowls, could theoretically pass Bill Belichick too. Well, he's not retiring. Sully noted in Slack that he told Albert Breer or told someone that Albert Breer reported that he is coming back if they will have me. Um, I have it on good authority that they plan to fire him for incompetence. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. So what do you guys think of, you know, when you look at Joe Burrow last year, he lost in the Super Bowl, but he was he kind of etched his name into the pantheon of of these upper echelon quarterbacks. What do you think of Jalen Hurts now? He gets he makes it to a Super Bowl. You know, he proves the doubters wrong. He loses. Is he now in that Burrow, Josh Allen conversation now? Yep. Yeah, I put it. Absolutely. The way he played tonight. And I don't care about that fumble. I mean, Josh Allen had some stupid plays his first few years in the league. He made some plays probably with the elbow injury that that leave you wondering. Uh, we've seen Joe Burrow throw a ton of interceptions and not care. Jalen Hurst didn't care. He came back out there and he balled out. I think a lot of the, I mean, if you go back and look, and obviously we haven't done that yet, I would imagine that Patrick Mahomes, the windows he had were much bigger on Super Bowl night than Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts made some pinpoint throws. The bomb to A.J. Brown, maybe it's luck, maybe it's not. A.J. Brown made the play over two defenders. But those dimes to... Dallas Goddard, I didn't see Patrick Mahomes do a lot of that. Maybe I'm just misremembering. But then you add in the ability of Jalen Hurst to run the ball, and not only in space, but through people and drag 300-pound men either into the end zone or to move the sticks. Yeah, every, he's a he's a top seven guy. Is he higher than top seven? The, th- the thing that's going to be over the next few years with all of these young quarterbacks is – how are they going to deal with when they get the bag, when they get that well-deserved massive contract? How do they deal with the roster around them when it's not catered to a quarterback on his rookie deal? That was a big question about Patrick Mahomes, and now we're clearly seeing he can still be paid as a high highest-paid quarterback in the NFL and lose Tyreek Hill and still contend. What happens when... Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow signs his big deal, and they can't re-sign T. Higgins. What happens when you have to make hard decisions about Gabe Davis and Buffalo because you have Josh Allen on a big money deal with Steph Diggs? Same type of deal here with, with Jalen Hurts at a, at a certain point. When you have A.J. Brown, maybe you have to have a hard discussion about Devonta Smith. That's the next level to this. But what we're seeing so far is when you have the type of roster that Philadelphia has around him and we see the the leaps that Jalen Hurts was able to make this season with the talent around him, I don't know how you don't put him in that conversation. The dude was the MV, run up, runner-up MVP for a reason. He was making a, a ton of throws in this game tonight and a ton of throws throughout the season. Got anything, Breach? Uh, Brinson, you good? Okay. Well, that's good that you can't talk because Sully, you don't, I don't know if you knew about this and I'd forgotten until someone reminded me in the comments at the beginning of the year, we do a, a, a draft with uh, me, Brinson and breach and a, and a viewer. And it was down to me and Brinson Eagles versus chiefs. I totally Ooh. forgot about it. I had the chiefs. So I want a little hundred dollars. I'm going to buy, you know, I'm going to buy a big box of Kleenex for Billy to wipe his tears. <laughs> Look, hey, Wilson, that's the only thing that's helping me. Oh! The dunk button still works, Jelly. Hard. That's the only thing that's helped me cope right now is the fact that you beat that you that you beat Brinson. That's that's warming my heart right now. Billy would rather have his team lose just so I can make a as a Benjamin. Hey, all right, let's uh let's talk quickly. And um, Sully, you and Billy can lead the conversation here because Brinson's voice is shot, but he may have more thoughts than me because I don't pay attention to the pop culture. Let's talk about the halftime show quickly. So 
Uh, Sully, are you a Rihanna person? I don't even know what type of music you listen to. Yeah, I'm a Rihanna guy. Oh, you are? Yeah, that was great. All right, you start, and Billy can follow, and then Brenton can go if he, if he can muster the voice. I loved that there was no guest, and now reportedly she's pregnant, and that was the special guest. I think her reps may have confirmed it to Variety, or I, I think okay. I saw that. I'll double check, but go ahead. So, you know, whether it's confirmed or not, that was supposedly the special guest that she told Nate Burleson was going to be part of this, but... I thought it was awesome that it was just her. I don't like it sometimes when you start bringing in a bunch of people and it starts to turn into some sort of a festival. If you like Rihanna, like <laughs> so that's so what you came to. That, that's that's what you came for. Is is a Rihanna song is is quoted in. So I thought it was awesome. Banger after banger, she transitioned to every other song perfectly. I was getting nervous when she was a little high up. I'm like, oh boy, oh. this is this is giving that's me. That's all I can focus on as an old person. It was giving me the heebie-jeebies, but ultimately, I thought that this was one of the better halftime performances of recent memory. I thought it was better than, uh, well, it it depends on what you like about last year. It's kind of a different genre. But in terms of pop artists, I thought this was right up here with like Bruno Mars was a good one recently. I know Beyonce had one recently. I thought that this was right up there for one of the best in recent memory for sure. So, Billy, uh, a representative for the singer confirmed that she is, in fact, pregnant. What would you think? Well, for me, I mean, I liked the performance. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was like, you know, one of one or special or anything. Like, it wasn't like Michael Jackson level or anything like that. But right. it was a good performance. I like the fact that she played, you know, a decent amount of her hits. I thought she may have brought out Drake or maybe Jay-Z. But I think it was a cool unveiling for her and ASAP Rocky uh, to, you know, share with the world that, you know, she's pregnant again. I thought that was a very cool thing. Um, but, you know, I also think, you know, I would like to see Jay-Z or somebody out there. I mean, I like the fact of like, you know, when you do the Super Bowl, it's a free thing. You don't make any money off of it. You know, you bring somebody out that nobody expects. You like to surprise the crowd. Me personally, I would have liked her to bring somebody out. But I do understand the whole, you know, you know, coming out party for the baby and the pregnancy. So I I, I do like that. Well, and she hadn't performed in like seven years. And so you're here to see Rihanna. It's not like she just went on a world tour like a few days ago. It was this was a long awaited return for Rihanna to the stage. I'm fine. All right. Here, let, let, I, I've never said this in the history of the podcast. Let Brinson talk. I'm fine with like celebrating the pregnancy and all that. Like, but that, like, I mean, kind of unnecessary. Like, I don't need the Super Bowl halftime show to be that. I thought it was good. It was fine. It was good. It was fine. It was like, it was very straightforward. There was nothing crazy. It was you said in Slack that you really liked it. I did like it, but it was like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like my, it wasn't like mind blowing or anything like that. It wasn't like a hologram of you know, uh, prints or anything. So I'll say this. I'm basically from visiting from Mars because I just showed up and I just sort of whatever my eyes and my ears tell me, I, I thought it was pretty good. Like I know who Rihanna is more as an actress than as, as a singer. Um, but as someone mentioned in the comments, I, I like last year, she's an actress. No, in what? Yeah, what? You, did, you didn't know that? As they well, fiercely type yeah, IMDb. Yeah, she was in a movie. She was in a movie. She, or she was in a guy. movie. That doesn't make her an act. I mean, like, come on. She's yeah, a no, singer. Yeah, breach, you're breach, you're on television, Sully. That doesn't make you an, an on-camera person. Is that what we're saying? That's very <laughs> well, rude. I guess that's true. I would never uh, say that. But well, I, I, what I would say... Oh, go ahead. Breach was in a movie, so... Ooh, boy. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but what I will say, I, I enjoyed the performance from the performance perspective. I, she has a great voice. I, I liked her music in general. I'd heard some of the songs, which is pretty remarkable. But as someone mentioned in the comments, as uh, probably as an old-timer like me, last year's Super Bowl halftime show was one of the best performances I've seen on planet Earth, halftime or otherwise. In fact, I went back and watched it again a couple of months ago. There's a Showtime documentary about it behind the scenes, which you should check out. That is fantastic. Um, so it does. I mean, we're talking about this being the greatest Super Bowl ever. I think Brenton and Sully decided around the twenties, maybe fifteen, top fifteen. 15. So this isn't a, a top performance, but maybe I don't know. 
top 15? I have no idea. Yeah, and, and I like last year's Super Bowl, too, and I do like it when you bring in guests like that because you obviously talk about Jay-Z, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, 50 Cent. They all have links. I mean, that, that documentary, The Defiant Ones, was, was awesome to see all the links of how all that music came together, and, and they're so entrenched. With Rihanna, it's a little bit different. It's just an artist featuring another artist. It's not. I know that Jay Z was kind of. I think he was. I think he fronted her. I think he was the guy that you know kind of set her up. I think he was part of her label. But it's not like Eminem to Dre to Dre to Snoop. It, it's it's a little bit different. So I do like that you have her just independently being the artist, especially because we hadn't seen her in a while. Sully, Sully being this like like so, like suddenly out of nowhere like. Pop culture, like, oh, like come on, Chogi is like a wild plot twist. I didn't see. Coming. Hey man, Sully's cultured man. Don't do that to Sully. Sully got some culture to him. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's... a lot of people though. I will say though, a lot of people were a little mad about Rihanna doing a free Super Bowl thing, and she hasn't really dropped the album in a while. So a lot of Rihanna fans weren't really happy with that. But you know, she's you know being you know she's having making a family and stuff like that. So you know, maybe her you know her time isn't really allocated to music right now, and is really focused on her family. So you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a, I, I give her. Plaudits, kudos, shout outs for going out there. The thing is, like, I loved her outfit and I didn't realize, I was like, oh, she's just letting it all hang out. And then it turns out she's pregnant. <laughs> and that's a pretty cool way to, to let people know. Yeah. Not so, bad. so you get married and you guys decide to have a kid. I will wear red and I will, I will let oh, yeah, the beer belly show. You, you, and then you were, there you go. You, you were the red. That's before Sully quits his job because he, like, you know, won the lottery or whatever. That's true. Oh, right. That's, a, that's also <laughs> happening. Um, so let's see. Anything else we want to talk about? Want to hit on? Because um, I think we hit the highlights. We hit the lowlights. Brinson did mention he he uh, he found Carl Cheffer's comments, the referee, and he said that there was clear grabbing of the jersey, which basically is what, as Billy noted, what Bradbury admitted to, and he hoped he got away with it. He got away with the one in the first half that we talked about. Didn't get away with the one in the critical moments. And while the Sheppers crew usually calls twice as many penalties as they end up calling tonight, this one is going to be no doubt controversial. Is there anything else we want to hit on? Well, let's kick it super far down the road, and let's talk about both of these teams going into 2023. It's really hard to repeat. Last team to do it is these two teams right here, the 2003-2004 Patriots. And on the other side of the coin, Billy's not – you're going to put three thumbs down for this. The Super Bowl loser typically really struggles that following season. I mean, Except the Rams. Oh. And the Bengals. And the Bengals. Yes, yes, it's true, but – Ultimately, historically, how do we feel about both of their prospects going into 2023? Do we consider them the Super Bowl favorites? Do we consider them a sleeper team to miss the playoffs? How are we looking at both the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, let's let's start here. So let's start in the AFC West. The Ra- the Raiders don't have a quarterback. Chargers, um, my 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 dude Brandon Saley barely hung on to his job. Broncos have Sean Payton. Who in that division is going to be better? I still think the Chiefs win that one. Brentson agrees. Billy agrees. All right, so let's go to the to the NFC East. Brian Dayball, you got to worry about and three and zero, man. Three and zero against Brian Dayball, the coach yeah. of the year. He had the same players that Joe Judge won three games with in ten years. They got Saquon <laughs> coming back most likely. They got DJ coming back. Danny Dimes coming back most likely. They're going to draft a receiver. Um, hopefully, the, the offensive line should continue to improve. Defense played pretty well. Got the Commanders. They need a quarterback. I think Sam Howell's their guy. And I don't know if we talked about this or I read it online somewhere, but the issue is that Dan Snyder looks like it's going to sell the team. And as a result, maybe J.J. was talking. I don't know who's talking. They don't have very much money, so they may not be active in free agency. That team may get worse, uh, especially if Sam Howell ends up being the guy. I liked him coming out last year. He only played the last game, looked okay. But 
Let's be real. He was a fifth-round pick for a reason. And the Cowboys. Dak made it to the Super Bowl. He showed up tonight. That's as close as he's gotten. And he got booed at the Super Bowl as well. And he still got booed. So Mike McCarthy's still there. They got rid of Kellen Moore. They sent him to Los Angeles. Maybe that helps the Chargers. And that team has has needs on offense. They don't have any wide receivers outside of CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. Um, we know how they finished the season. Defense has some holes, even though they have Micah Parsons and his foot fetish. So I think I think the Giants may be the biggest concern right now for the for the Eagles. I agree. I think the Giants are the biggest concern. I'm not really worried about Dak and the Cowboys. You lose Kellen Moore. You don't know what that offense is going to look like next year. What do they do with, you know, Tony Pollard? What do they do with Zeke? You know, they have a lot of questions on the offensive side of the ball and not a lot of money to do it. So, you know, I'm not really too worried about the Cowboys. I'm more so worried about that Giants team. Brian Dable clearly overachieved with everything that he had there. Um, even though, you know, the Eagles did go 3-0 against them. They, you know, you know, they fought. They were a tough team. They won games this year. They were able to beat Minnesota. So, you know, I, I'm a little worrisome of those guys, but I still think the Eagles have a lot of potential and still can, you know, come back. The um, Eagles and the Giants finished both, both finished not first, so that's worth noting. I'll say this. I am less concerned about the Eagles getting back to the postseason than I am about the Kansas City Chiefs simply because of the conferences that they play in. You, We just talked about all these quarterbacks that are Mac in the Mac Jones, AFC. shout out. I love it. That's, that's not where I was going, but I was going <laughs> to go more. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. I mean, we might even be talking about an AFC that now has Aaron Rodgers if all of a sudden he ends up with the New York Jets, that was a very good team outside of the quarterback position. You look at the NFC, we just went through the, the NFC East, but Minnesota, they still have Kirk Cousins. We'll see what they do with to fix that defense. Detroit, I don't think Jared Goff's beating you anytime soon. Green Bay, they could be going with Jordan Love. Chicago, they have a ton of cap space, but I don't feel confident about them. The entire NFC South, I'm not worried about. The only team that scares me is if San Francisco just is healthy. Like That's what scares me. If they don't get injured, then sure. That's there's not that many teams in the NFC right now that put as much fear on me to get hot to knock you off as I do with the rest of the AFC. That's not anything against the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, they just won the Super Bowl, but they just play in a much more difficult conference. No, that's fair. And shout out to whoever just said, I think Jason going to the comments said, Batman voice has entered the chat. Uh, that is true. <laughs> hey, Brits has been called way worse things than Christian Bale. Yeah. I, mean, I, would, I prefer Michael Keaton, but whatever. So we got Christian Bale this week, and we have uh, Ben Affleck as comparison. Yeah, Ben Affleck. And both of them appeared in Super Bowl commercials. Uh, they <laughs> both appeared in the Pick 6 podcast and in Super Bowl commercials. Hey, listen, if you're listening, or, or obviously if you're listening and watching at the same time, hit the old uh, thumbs up button. That would that would mean a lot to Brinson. It helped pay for his vocal cord surgery and because um, those hair plugs ain't free. But uh, you guys got anything else? I'm good. I think, I think that's it. That's Heck it. of a year. What'd you say, Billy? I said it's a wrap, man. That's all. You got there. You made it to the finish line, Billy. You just fell down just short of it. Get up. When you fall off the horse, get up. Just don't let the other horse behind you run your ass over. (laughs) 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 Andy Reid was riding that horse, too. He's not (laughs) going The revenge horse, as Brinson might call it. All right, that's it. That was it. The 2022-2023 NFL season is in the books. I would imagine there's a podcast tomorrow. Um... We'll be doing some draft podcasts as well. I know there's a uh, With the First Pick podcast on Tuesday, so check that out. Uh, But for Brinson and Brinson's voice, for Sully and Sully, for Billy and his sad face, and for John Breach, who's at the stadium riding furiously, I'm Ryan Wilson, and we'll see you guys later.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.